Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. It may not be exactly as it was when many of us were kids, but there are thousands of summer camps throughout the country offering a wide variety of camping experiences for youngsters. With me in studio to talk camping are Ali Seacott, Senior Programs Manager for Blueprint for Summer STL, a camp locator service. Mary Rogers is Executive Director of Sherwood Forest, a camp here in the St. Louis area. And Vicki Lang is Camp Director at Camp Little Giant near Shawnee National Forest in Illinois. She joins us by phone. phone. Welcome, ladies. Nice to have you all with us. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. This is certainly Thanks. the time to be talking about camping. Uh, Allie, is it... Is it uh, too late to be talking camping? It's not too <laughs> late to be talking about summer opportunities for kids. Definitely not. Okay. Well, I'm going to start with you. How has camping changed, would you say, over the last 10 or 20 years? I think one of the things, Blueprint for Summer lists a lot of day camp opportunities. And so there's a difference between sort of that residential experience where students travel away to a camp and they stay for a week and write letters home to their families. Versus or not. The, or not. <laughs> versus the day camp experiences that allow children to go somewhere locally uh, for an opportunity and then come home every evening. And so Blueprint for Summer STL lists many of those day camp opportunities in the St. Louis region as well as some of those residential camps as well. Mary, what kind of changes have you seen over the years? Well, I've seen a lot of changes, but I've also seen ways in which the camp experience stays the same. So my experience comes through resident camp, and what I would say about resident camp today is that rather than the standard for most camps being an eight-week experience for a private independent camp, many of them now are four weeks or six weeks. Of course, there are lots of camps that are one-week programs and two-week programs. Another really big difference in programs is how uh, camps can incorporate real uh, solid enrichment experiences for kids so that something like the phenomenon of summer learning loss gets minimized when kids are in camp settings. We want to talk more about that learning loss. That's an important subject that sometimes gets uh, swept under the rug. But Becky, let me turn to you and, and, and get your comments with regard to the current camping experience versus those of years ago. Yeah, so Camp Little Giant is a residential camp. We serve both adults and children with, dis with disabilities. So we're not seeing so much of that trend as kids not wanting to get outside as much. Um, Camp Little Giant is an opportunity for folks to get together, make friends. Um, usually this is an opportunity for someone. It's their summer vacation. So they usually don't get to get out a whole lot except come to Camp Little Giant, um, which, again, is different than some of the other kids experiencing not wanting to be outside as much, wanting to stay at home, wanting to, to game, wanting to be on their devices not wanting to experience the outdoors as much. Well, you mentioned something that apparently is happening, and that is that there are fewer and fewer young people uh, attending camp each year. Yeah, we're, we're seeing that trend, um, especially throughout the Midwest, um, kids just not wanting to get outside, wanting to be in their comfortable home. Um, you know, we Camp Little Giant is a residential camp, but at Touch of Nature, we also offer other opportunities um, day camps and residentials, and um, we're seeing a slight decrease in that over the years. You too, Mary? No, um, <laughs> not at Sherwood Forest. And I think the trends sort of wax and wane. Um, one challenge is for camp professionals and camp directors to be able to advocate for the value of these kinds of experiences for kids and then figure out ways to introduce children to those experiences. So we... Um, 
we right now have more kids on on our list than we can provide camp experiences for. Ali, it's uh, this would make if there is indeed a trend, and apparently it's not affecting Mary at all. But if there is a trend, it would make your job a little harder, I would think. So Blueprint for Summer is a free resource that lists information about summer programs. And this year we have 8,500 opportunities listed on the site. And those are sortable by distance from your house and cost and age of your child and interest and dates. Um, And so, you know, we are not certainly seeing a lack of opportunities uh, in the region. It's, It's whether or not families find the best fit program that fits all of their needs. So finding something that's financially accessible, that's geographically close to home, that's an interest that their children um, have or want to pursue in the summer. Mary, what about this this, this uh, business about devices that uh, Vicki has talked about and the fact that the kids are so plugged into the devices now that they're you know, not really interested in the outdoors so much anymore? Well, <clears throat> I, I think that there's something that uh, there's something true to that 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 kids really are plugged in, young people are plugged in, we're plugged in. But I also think that um, it's really wonderful when young people can get unplugged, and lots of camp experiences, and whether they're day camp experiences or experiences for young people and adults with disabilities or children from low-income and under-resourced communities, those opportunities are more and more rare, and yet. They're great chances for kids to really learn things that they can't learn when they're always connected or when they're always inside. Talk to me uh, about the issue of the value of camps. What do camps give kids that they, that they really need? So I'm going to say that I'm very biased because I came to camp as a 13-year-old kid. I actually came to Sherwood Forest as a 13-year-old kid, and I've never left. I missed one summer after grad school. <laughs> what I see in children's camp experiences uh, is that these are places where kids can connect with one another in ways that they couldn't in their neighborhoods, they couldn't in their schools. They get to make new friends. They get to have young adults who are their leaders, not quite near peers because they're not that close in age, college students for, say, for instance, middle school students. But these are powerful role role models. They also get to be in the out-of-doors. They get to have some agency over what it is they're going to do. They get to choose their days. They get real challenges. And sometimes those challenges almost seem insurmountable. What's the value, uh, Mary, for your, uh, or uh, uh, Vicki, for your population? The value is to experience a camp, a Camp Little Giant, um, to be in the outdoors, to try new activities. Maybe they've never been fishing before. Maybe they've never been on a horse before. Maybe they've never seen a body of water other than maybe the bathtub that they're in. Um, So a chance to explore activities and try new activities, at the same time meeting folks similar to them yet still different, And trying these activities, experiencing them, and having a good time, having a great time, making friends um, that they might get to see again next year when they come back. So, I mean, it's a very, it's a huge experience for for both the adults and children that we serve. Is it very common for people to return year after year? Yes, it is. Um, We have sessions for kids, and I get to graduate the kids into the adult session which is always a challenge, just like if we remember trying to graduate from high school or from grade school. We were scared about doing it, but once we did it, it was fine. So 
a lot of the campers who are kids don't want to move up to the adult session, but once they do it, they're loving it and watching their friends come with them as well. Um, so Camp Little Giant has been around for over 65 years, and um, I remember when I was working at the camp in 1981, one of my campers who was eight is still coming to camp to this day. So we're both um, grown up, if you will. So. Mary, you may be the poster child for returning <laughs> to camp, apparently. But do you find that that happens fairly frequently? It does, and it's intentional in our program. I think that's one of the things that's wonderful about programs. I've had the privilege of visiting Camp Little Giant, and I can see the ways in which these are little communities, and kids are supporting one another and making friends, and those friendships last. We see the same kind of thing. Summer to summer, about 75% of our kids are returners, but we're working very hard to keep them connected in our programs. Ali, one of the things that's been my observation, and, and you can help me on this, is the fact that there seems to be an increasing number of, I call them theme camps, specifying a particular subject matter that people will focus on through that. Is this number growing? It is growing, especially in the day camp space, right, where you have the opportunity to be creative with your themes. And it also is a way to bring students into a camp experience at the day camp level to say, are you're interested in Star Wars? Did you know that there's 50 camps that talk about Star Wars at a variety of, of camp locations across the region? There's something for everybody. There's um, we're seeing some of those camps that are, are particularly more niche-focused, but then also some of those general camps that find ways to do a theme every week. So maybe it's a cooking camp that every week talks about a, a different continent, and they're focused on both the geography, culture, and food of that continent. Maybe it's something um, like a camp that's focused on cybersecurity that really brings kids in at an, at an interest level. So we are seeing that on the rise, and it's something that Blueprint, I think, is uniquely suited to help families search for because you can search by keyword. Yesterday I was just on the phone with a mom who called and said she was looking for a water polo camp for a 13-year-old. And I sort of <laughs> sighed and thought, oh, I don't know. I put it in the search and there was five water polo camps for a 13-year-old in St. Louis. So there's something for everybody. As they say, who knew? Well, while we're talking about themes, let's bring in Greg, who is calling from Eldred, Illinois. Uh, I think he has a theme in mind. Let's see what he has to say. Go ahead, Greg. Hi there. Hi. So yeah, I just want to mention uh, a unique opportunity in this region at uh, the Center for American Archaeology, which is in Campsville, Illinois. That's Campsville with a K. It's about an hour north of St. Louis. And they have both um, day programs and residential programs or residential camps where adults and children can come and learn about archaeology and even participate in excavations alongside professional archaeologists. Greg, thanks for the call. And we have some nodding heads in here that I think folks in the studio, at least, are familiar with uh, with what you're talking about. The uh, the theme issue, Vicki, uh, is this something that uh, you get into at all? Um, we experiencing experience some themes um, based on what's what's popular. And usually for Camp Little Giant, we're doing themes for our hay rides, for our talent shows. And it might be, like an example is when Star Wars was big again, um, when Frozen movie came out, um, all of those kind of movies when they're coming out, we're kind of diving, diving into those kind of themes. But I think what, they're, what we're hearing about is the certain themes, like Lego Camp is a huge popular event. We're not so much doing Lego Camp. What we're still focusing on is the real fundamentals of camp, doing the, the basic activities, the fishing, the horseback riding, the swimming, 
Um, and again, our campers have both physical, cognitive, and developmental disabilities. So what we're wanting to do is get them to experience a camp setting, to get out of the house, to get out of the group home, out of the nursing home, and experience a camp and meet friends. Sounds almost therapeutic, and it probably it is. is. It's very much a therapeutic camp. Mary, how about your camp and, and th- themes? You know, our themes are actually embedded in our program, and they don't change so much from year to year. Of course, there are things that come out of the culture that get picked up summer to summer, but that almost arises uh, arises out of what the kids and the staff want to do. When I think about themes, I think about the themes around enrichment in our programs. For instance, third graders participate in a book club, fourth graders in uh, STEM-based activities, and fifth graders in more advanced STEM-based activities. Sixth and seventh graders use Wyman's teen outreach program Mm -hmm. curriculum. And eighth and ninth graders are focused on early college access experiences. So I, those themes are in each year of the program. I wonder if they're more enthusiastic about learning in that kind of an environment rather than in a classroom. I think, I think what's interesting, I'm a former teacher, and, and I think what one of the uni- unique and exciting parts about summer is that there are some limitations about what teachers and schools can do during the school year. But there are a lot of really unique opportunities that students can engage in in the summer that enhance their creativity, enhance their problem-solving skills, that build on things that are happening in the summer. And and like Mary uh, mentioned earlier, summer learning loss is a huge issue. And what we see is that research shows that students lose, on average, two to three months of math and reading computation in between the summer months, and that that's cumulative. So every year that students aren't engaged in something meaningful in the summer months, that continues to grow, that gap continues to widen. But I think what's really unique is that we also see that students who get engaged in something meaningful in the summer, even if it's not academic, actually show that their academic engagement during the school year is higher. And they may have found that they just love being outside or they love swimming or they love doing art projects, but that that engagement then continues in academic settings across the school year. Mary, you're nodding it's the as whole, if, It's yeah. the whole reason why uh, the, the book club is in the third grade program at Sherwood Forest is that we recognize that summer learning loss, which affects all kids, disproportionately affects children from low-income families around reading. Mm-hmm. And so that gap that becomes, it grows and, it, and becomes a really big impediment to kids' success in high school uh, is something we wanted to tackle. And so when we initially created the program, we thought that we really could address summer learning loss as in at a, at a skill level, like take a kid who was barely proficient to proficiency. Well, no, not really, um, at least not in our program. What we can see, though, is that the program helps kids change their attitudes about yeah. reading. One of the things that I've loved in all my decades of being involved in camp and as a member of the American Camp Association and visiting camps like Little Giant and others is I get to see kids learning every single day, and they're running to their activities because they, in many cases, they chose them. In almost all cases, they're fun. Kids vote with their feet. 
if they don't like it, they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So we have to figure out the fun way to engage kids in learning experiences. I, I have to take a break, but I must say we have a tweet from Robert who says, I love Sherwood Forest. Started there when I was around five years old, made my best friend there ever, and we're still friends today. So there you go. There's, there's a commercial for Sherwood Forest. I've got to take that break now. We're talking about summer camps, and we'll continue the conversation. If you'd like to be a part of it, give us a call at 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org or a tweet at STL on air. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Welcome back as we continue our conversation on summer camps and camping. Uh, I'll come back to you for this, Sally, uh, in a very general way. What about the affordability? Uh, I imagine there's a pretty wide range of, of prices for these activities. There is. There's an incredibly wide range, especially here in the region, uh, specifically for programs that are listed on Blueprint for Summer. And I think there's a few things that we need to take into account when we talk about pricing for some of those day camps. Um Some things to look for if you're searching for a program would be the length of the program. So how many weeks or how many days is it and then what's the total cost? Because there are some times when a camp may seem more expensive, but it actually runs for eight weeks. And so if you break that down into sort of a daily cost, it's less expensive. On Blueprint for Summer this year, we have um, over 2,500 opportunities that list that they offer scholarships. And so that's one of those financial accessibility pieces um, that really parents should be on the lookout for. So some of those are first come first serve, some of those are application um, based, but the average cost of a one week camp was around $200 when you look at the full 8,000 camps that were listed last year. And so I think it's important that we as a region think about what does that mean in terms of access. So for us at Blueprint for Summer, that means that our donors have raised $100,000 in supplemental scholarship funding to distribute to some of the programs that are listed on Blueprint for Summer to make that financial accessibility piece a part that that families don't have to struggle to answer. But I think it's also about geographic accessibility. When we talk about finding, you know, the right camp, we also have to make sure that specifically day camp programs are are listed across the region where it's accessible for families to attend. Mary, how about affordability at uh, Camp Sherwood? Well, for Sherwood Forest... um, Uh, Sherwood Forest, sorry. Sorry, for Sherwood Forest, um, most of our kids are growing up in low-income families that come from Mm -hmm. underserved communities. And so one of the things that we've decided, uh, we really, the community supports Sherwood Forest. We're a United Way member agency. We receive funding from United Way. There are many people who are generous supporters corporations and foundations who make these experiences possible for our kids. We ask families to have some skin in the game. And what we say is, if you can afford it, $75 for the first child in your family and $50 for each additional child in the household who would come to camp. But even that can be more than many of our families can afford. And so we work with the families. We don't want economic... um, challenges to be the barrier to children participating. Camp is not only for rich kids. Uh, I think that's the point really has to be made. Very much so. And Vicki, how about uh, your situation? 
Yeah, our situation, we um, strive very hard to not have to raise the fees every year, so our fees have remained pretty stable over the years. Our fees are going to be a little bit higher than most camps because we are a specialty camp. Um, most camps hire a nurse um, <clears throat> for the whole summer. I have to hire nurses 24-7 around the clock to be able to um, deal with some of the medical and physical needs of our campers. So that alone does increase the fee. Plus, our staff ratio is certainly a lot higher. Um, we do a lot of one-on-ones for our campers. Um, our staff ratio is no more than one staff to four campers, but most often about one staff to two campers. Um, so that ratio alone does have to cause the fee to be up a little bit. But we, um, fortunately, we do have um, Friends of Touch of Nature Group, and we have other organizations that help raise funds to provide scholarships for our campers. Well, that's wonderful um, to hear. And so we've got a, a process that if someone needs to come to camp, um, there is a form to fill out. There's a process to go through. And we're spinning our wheels just to try and make it happen so that every camper that wants to come to camp has an opportunity um, to come to camp. Great. Let's let's take another call. We have Mimi joining us from St. Louis. Mimi, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Hi, this is Mimi. How are you? Good. Go ahead, Mimi. Good. We're, we're great. So one, one of the points I wanted to raise is something that you all have not discussed yet, which is when you send your child away to a residential camp, it's such a wonderful opportunity for their personal growth and independence building. You know, they're away from their moms and dads who aren't picking up after them and doing their laundry and telling them where they're supposed to be and when they're supposed to be there. You know, they're really in charge of their own day, managing their own lives. And when it's time for them to leave for college, they are a lot more ready to spend extended periods of time away from home. We see a number of my children's friends who's never, you know, gone to camp or gone to sleepaway camp, and they're really at a disadvantage as they get older for having that be their first experience away from home. Mamie, thank you so much for the call. I think everybody is agreeing with you here. Mm -hmm. I'd have to point out it's a pretty good deal for the parents, too. They get a little bit of a break, right, Mary? (laughs) It's true, and you, but you know what? On the other side of that, yes, I think everything Mimi said is absolutely true, and it's a real strength of camp experiences, especially these resident camp experiences. But it's also challenging for parents. One of the things that I just wrote a blog about for the American Camp Association was about emotional readiness for children to go to camp, but I also included emotional readiness for parents to send their kids mm-hmm. to camp because I think it's on both sides of that um, uh, relationship that it's a big trust thing for a parent to send their child away for a week or two weeks or a month or however long a child is going away. And yet, as Mimi said, those, those experiences that kids get, they can't get in their backyard. They can't get at home. And it does absolutely help build those uh, muscles that help them as they grow up. Vicki, I gather from your situation, perhaps I misunderstood, but in some cases, I, I believe I heard, you say that parents are there with uh, their youngsters in some cases. No, actually, they are not. Huh. Um, if they make a request to be closer to here, we can certainly do that because um, we have other additional lodging available. But no, this is an opportunity for the campers to come to camp. It would be a respite for some of the family members. Um, and that's definitely an opportunity the families appreciate. But our role as camp directors, as administrators, is to make sure that on both ends that not only the camper is being successful and having fun, but the parents are at ease too, and 
they're trusting us with their loved ones. So um, we've got to be able to prove and make sure that we're providing a very safe, healthy, therapeutic experience for every camper. Um, Nobody wants to get that phone call late at night or, oh, my gosh, we lost your camper or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, that's why we spend a lot of time and energy with staff training, making sure that the staff we're hiring are very appropriate to work with um, the kids and adults that we serve. Um, And and then talking about the independence, um, we all work on activities of daily living. And so at Camp Little Giant, no different than any other camp, we're focusing on allowing the campers to be as independent as possible. We are not picking up after them. After we go swimming, what is the time to do? Take off your wetsuit? Do you just throw it on the floor in the corner? No, you hang it up. Um, After we're done with the meal, um, we bust our own tables. Everybody does what they can. Um, So no matter what it is, we're simulating what you do at home, what you do in a group home, um, so that we're not taking away skills. We're adding to those life skills that that kids and adults are learning. I haven't, time is winding down. I have a note here that I think we should address because it's such a part of the the conversation these days. And, Ali, I'll send it your way. Do these camps offer any resources or special sessions for LGBT youth? That's an interesting question. It's it's not a category we currently have on Blueprint for Summer, but one I think that we should really look at considering to add in the future. Um, it is something that maybe you could search by keyword on, on Blueprint for Summer. Um, you know, we are a digital platform, so we make that searching process easier for families to narrow down, but then it, it doesn't replace the conversations that happen between a camp director and a parent that say, here is my son or daughter, here are, the, are their circumstances, and do you think that this program would be a good fit for them? And so I encourage parents to, to use Blueprint to sort of narrow down to find that best fit program and then also have those one-on-one conversations with camp directors and, and, and um, staff to find out what the, what the camp really did, can provide. Mary, is this an issue you deal with? Well, you know, we say that Sherwood Forest is a place of welcome for all, and we mean it. And so whatever... Uh, children are bringing to us, they bring to us. However our staff are in the world, those are, those are the people. We're hiring people who are qualified to work with our kids, and we're, we, we want to make our camp an inclusive environment so that everybody feels welcome there. And it's one of the things that we hear over and over again from our young people is that this is a place where I feel accepted for who I really am. Vicki, is this an issue you could weigh in on? I'm very similar to what Mary said. I mean, we have a welcoming environment, and everybody belongs at Camp Little Giant and other camps. So nobody is excluded um, for any reason other than if it's a medical concern that the doctor won't allow a camper to come. Um, But, no, we are very very welcoming, and that's how most camps should be operating at this time. We are going to put contact information for all of your organizations on our website at stlpublicradio.org. I'm going to have to end it right there, ladies. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Mary Rogers, Executive Director of Sherwood Forest. Ali Sikot is a a Senior Programs Manager for Blueprint for Summer. Vicki Lang, Camp Director, Camp Little Giant. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.